3: Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Midday Super Talk Mississippi. I'm your host, Gerard Gibbert, and today I'm at the beautiful Mississippi trademark for the Mississippi Farm Bureau and Ag Up a Sale of Champions. It's Rhino back in the Super Talk studios, safe and sound. We'll be guiding you through the middle of your day with facts, fodder, and fine music on this.
2: Friday Eve.
3: <laughs> it certainly is. We kick off the program this morning with Mike McCormick, the president of Mississippi Farm Bureau. Morning, Mike. Thanks for coming on today, and good to see you again.
4: Well, thank you for having me.
3: So, uh, the uh, parking lot already filling up. Lots of folks here in this fantastic facility, the Mississippi Trademark. We're here because the Dixie National is getting underway, and It is our annual Mississippi Farm Bureau and Ag Up Sale of Champions going on as well. So tell us about that, Mike.
4: Well, today's... uh Super Bowl of uh, the the show business here in the state of Mississippi. It's where all of the hard work that our competitors uh, in the livestock uh, uh, industry come together, uh, and it all culminates with the sale of champions today where the best of the best uh, get a chance to put their animals in the sale for all the money to go to scholarships.
3: A lot of work behind the scenes goes into getting these animals uh, show ready.
4: Yes, sir. It's, it's been a long journey for these kids, and a lot of them have done this multiple, multiple years and uh, are very fortunate to uh, be standing where they are today. Uh, but for this year on these animals, you, I can tell you they got up early in the morning. When they got home from school, uh, they didn't go play around with the other kids. They went to the show barns uh, to uh, tend to their livestock. And, you know, we're hearing a lot in the legislature and around the state about workforce development. I can't think of anything that's a better workforce development for skills uh, than what these kids do every day to get prepared for something like this, the Junior National Show of Champions.
3: Mike most of these youngsters that are involved in this competition and, and just have have taken this up as as uh, something they 're very interested in, and I guess to some extent a hobby, but it 's really a more more like work at the end of the day I, Is this something that 's kind of passed down from their parents, their grandparents it 's in their family, or are we starting to see some uh, some new youngsters take an interest in this?
4: You know I think certainly uh, a lot of the kids here's uh, parents grew up in this uh, in the show uh, world and and have a lot of background in that but it's uh, really encouraging uh, to talk to some who uh, Uh, have just uh, started themselves a lot of help with uh, Mississippi State Extension 4-H FFA uh, groups that uh, get together and and teach them the skills that they need to be competitive with this so I'd say it's a little bit of both uh, but uh, I think once they get here it's certainly going to be in their blood and they'll be back uh, with their kids in the future doing the same thing. But
3: the main thing is it's important we we continue to to propagate uh, certainly in this industry first of all it's critical Uh, to society's thriving that's number one we got to eat and we got to have all the other things that uh, the benefits of agriculture in general but specifically here in the state it it, uh, usually stands out as the as the largest industry if not the largest employer overall as an industry segment in the state
4: well it is and i'm glad you mentioned that because i'm hearing more and more and more about um, moving away from that and and attracting industry and how we're going to be a new state and that's all great. I I love the battery plants. I love the. Uh, the plants that uh, have been announced here recently around uh, Jackson, but Mississippi is an agricultural state for a reason. Yeah. We've got a very uh, diverse uh, soil types. Uh, we've got the climate for it. So, a uh, hundred years ago, we we're, we're, our number one industry uh, was agriculture, and I'll tell you, a hundred years from now, it'll be the same thing. Uh, it'll just be different. The amount of money that we invest on the farms now uh, is incredible, and the and the machinery that we have uh, to accomplish the goals of not being able to find a labor force to work for us uh, that can do more uh, autonomous driving vehicles and, and all the smart machinery we got to uh uh, be able to uh, compete on a worldwide scale. Uh, we have here through uh, industry research, for, for uh, land-grant research, great farmers, great technology. When all that comes together, uh, we've got a recipe for um, success here in Mississippi for Mississippi agriculture.
3: Yeah, and of course, uh, uh, to that end, one of our sponsors, uh, the Good Ag Up folks, and the machinery that they have on display here, um, they're, they're really just high-tech, computers, if you will, that happen to do farming tasks at the end of the day. But it, it has become a very sophisticated and advanced industry. It certainly has changed kind of the nature of the work somewhat. Uh, but also it's dramatically improved uh, productivity and just overall yields uh, for our farmers.
4: I was with uh, some of the John Deere brass from one of their uh, their corporate offices, and they told me they now have more IT engineers than they do mechanical engineers. Yeah. All of what we buy in our equipment now, a lot of it, uh, the purchase price goes to the technology that's in that tractor, in that harvester, whatever we're buying. So uh, it's the way uh, we in Mississippi and out throughout the United States compete on a global basis. We can just do things more efficiently and better than they can in the rest of the world.
3: Yeah, see it's, it's amazing just to go inside the cabs, one of those, uh, those big tractors, those, those big pieces of machinery, and uh, you look like you're in the cockpit of a, of a modern commercial aircraft more than you do in a traditional tractor.
4: I grew up uh, in the 1970s farming with open top tractors and (laughs) they would work all day long and we were proud of those and today these uh, machines are a lot nicer you don't go home quite as tired at the end of the day but uh, they come with a big price tag too so we've got to keep pushing uh, yields on the crops that we have here to be able to afford them.
3: The legislature of course uh, in session I've seen a number of of the members of the chambers walking around in the in the vestibule here. Anything in particular that uh, your organization is seeking out of our state leaders?
4: Well, there'll be a number of bills that pass through the uh, ag committees this year, and we'll have our eye on all of those. Uh, There's a foreign ownership of land that everybody's uh, concerned with, and we've been working to try to address some concerns and try to get a good bill pushed uh, pushed through down there. And I think uh, recently there was some uh, good legislation dropped. So we'll watch that and uh, we've got uh, some issues with grain grading in the state, and maybe we need to do that a little more uniformly that uh, we're going to watch and, and work on as well. Uh, there will be a lot of things that pop up uh, between now and the end of session, a lot of things that we may not be in favor of that we try to convince uh, that we, it needs to be changed or or uh, maybe another year would be best for it. So uh, just like every year, uh, I think uh, there's a tremendous amount of bills that will be dropped, and right now it's just – uh, trying to sit back and watch and see which one of them really have a chance to move.
3: What about the overall economic health of the industry, Mike? How's that doing right now?
4: Well, I think uh, the, the overall uh, income level for farmers are going to be down quite a bit uh, nationally, and I, I would guess it would probably do the same thing here just like anything you kind of have to diversify so one crop will be up and another one will be down the livestock prices are good this year uh, but with the farmers that uh, the ranchers that have those certainly need some good years because it's been pretty bad for a pretty long period of time Uh, We had a really severe drought last year in South Mississippi, which really impacted all the growers south of I-20. So uh, we'll be going next week to Washington, D.C. with the delegation to talk to to, uh, the appropriators about possibly a disaster uh, bill that might help some of our South Mississippi growers. Uh, It would would help tremendously as some of those that are going to have some pretty deep holes to dig out of if we don't get them some help uh... but overall in the state of mississippi just depends we're a long state uh, if you get in the northeast they probably had the best crop they ever had last year hmm. uh... delta was uh... Good to average to, to good, and then South Mississippi was probably a disaster. So, hopefully, we can get that weather all over the state of Mississippi this year and uh, get some hay produced for our livestock growers and have some good crops down in South Mississippi so they can rebound.
3: Any sort of uh, sort of macroeconomic headwinds, supply chain constraints, which were sort of top of mind the last couple of years, is, is that sort of level, leveling out now, you feel?
4: I've talked to some of the suppliers, and I think so. I think uh, there may be uh, uh, still a little bit of a shortage of, of different things, but for the most part I think we will, we're back on track of being able to get the inputs that, uh, that we need to, to make a crop this year.
3: The federal government seems like they're constantly introducing <laughs> rules and regulations and, and policies that just make it more difficult to uh, to just execute in the agriculture industry.
4: And that's why you've got to have a, a, an organization like Farm Bureau that's been there since the 1920s that uh, has such a powerful force uh, nationally with ag policy to represent you to keep those pushed back.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Mike, always good to see you, sir. Appreciate you coming on, and uh, let's have a good uh, sale of Champions and a great Dixie National Rodeo.
4: Looking forward to it.
3: Folks, we're t- stepping aside right here. We're in the Element Elementwell studio, relocated today to the Mississippi Trademark for the Mississippi Farm Bureau and Ag Up Sale of Champions. When we return, it's Leighton Varner Scholarship recipient. Stay with us.
0: Gibbert, let's do this on Super Talk, Mississippi. Tumble out of bed and I
2: stumble to the kitchen for myself. A self-ambition and yawn and stretch and try to come to life.
3: The Welcome back, everyone. It's middays. Super Talk Mississippi. We are at the Mississippi trademark for the Mississippi Farm Bureau and Ag Up a Sale of Champions. We welcome to the program now Layton Varner, a scholarship recipient. Thanks for coming on, Layton. Tell us about this scholarship.
5: Hey, so um, I made it to the Sale of Champions with um, my market hair sheep, and then also we made it with two goats this year, and. Um, my brother exhibited one of them, so I received the scholarship with whatever money is bought, like whatever is purchased for my coat. And, I got you. Um, uh, as well as the hair sheep, so I put in a lot of work for it and everything.
3: Yeah, so. that's pretty exciting. How, yes, how did you get uh, interested in uh, raising animals like that?
5: So we started off with actually showing chickens, and okay. um, so that was really fun. We did, we did all right, and then... We, my mom was like, you know, you want to show a goat? And I was like, sure. And so we got in it. We weren't real good at the beginning, but we put in a lot of work, and it has paid off.
3: What are you going to do with the scholarship money? Thought about that?
6: <laughs>
5: yes, sir. So... That usually just it usually goes. We have a savings account, and so everything okay. usually is gonna it's gonna all go towards my college, and also gonna go to expenses for next year's show, show stream. Okay.
3: So. so are you thinking about perhaps pursuing a career in agriculture? That yes,
5: yes, sir. I've thought about it for sure, and I also have an interest in politics, and so I really? think something. Like your dad. Yes, yeah, sir. <laughs> so something along those lines, I think, and a little mix between ag and the politics world would be really cool. You can do both. Yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir.
3: Well, do you think you might uh, want to buy some land and, and set up some sort of agricultural um, operation? Is that yes, sir. in your future perhaps?
5: Yes, sir. So we actually are, uh, we have uh, our own farm at the house right now where we breed show goats. And okay. so um, really when I go to college, I'm sure I'll come back home and help with that. And I mean, who knows in the future, I might be taking it over. You never know. But um, I think that's um, something that I've definitely thought about. Okay. So.
3: What's involved in showing a goat? What are the judges specifically <laughs> looking for when they're judging
5: goats? So there's a lot of stuff, but um, I guess if you're talking about uh, just the regular like market classes, they're you know, they're gonna feel over the top and feel the loin and if it's, you know, like real like strong and like hard over the top. like
3: are there standards that they're um, comparing that to Yes yeah. yes, sir. Okay.
5: It's just I mean, usually it's truly just a judge's preference. Okay. And so um, some of them might like them more exotic, and, you know, that means, like, they have the longer extended neck and kind of, like, they prance around the show ring. But <laughs> some some might like them, you know, more.
3: They prance? More... They prance. Yes. Okay, so yes. they know they're being shown. <laughs> yes, uh, sir. They're in the limelight Well,
5: there. they used to not, but we have to train <laughs> them to do that. <laughs> but um, so, they, so but some of them might like them, like, more piggy and, like, you know, real, like, stocky and that kind okay. of thing. So it kind of just a little, depends on A little subjective. Yes, sir. So
3: did did they uh, share with you why you you got uh, the top award there what happened
5: um at Dixie this year yeah. um so I mean the judge I feel like at this Dixie he did like him a little more exotic I feel okay. like so um he uh, definitely he picked uh on, along that line so I mean he talks about him in the class and why he picked him and okay. so that's that's kind of what he said.
3: So the judges, are they typically folks that have a background
5: yes, sir. Um,
3: in, in raising those animals, for Yes, example? sir.
5: So usually they're either... Um, they've been breeders before, and so they know what, you know, they're looking for, everything. Or yeah. um, they. some of them have been on, like, judging teams at different colleges, and, you know, State has a judging team. and So it really just kind of depends where their background is, but they more than likely always have a background.
3: So when your mother suggested to you, uh, after showing the chickens, we should think about showing goats, what, what was your next action?
5: <laughs> well, I was... I was kind of younger then. I was like in sixth, seventh grade, but I was I was like, all right. And so we went to a sale. I was, I don't know. It was just like a little small sale, and um, we got a goat, and his name was Champ. And so um, appropriate name. Yes, <laughs> yes, sir. And so we started working with him, and everything, and he did, he did alright, but, <laughs> yeah, sir, so that's You had to teach really him how religious. to prance. Yes, sir, <laughs> we had to, you know, teach him how to brace and everything, so.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Got to perk up for the judges. Yes, well, That's sir. really pretty cool. Yes, sir. Um, so, do you develop relationships with some of the other youngsters that are involved in oh, showing yes. the animals like this? I mean, yes, it becomes sir. kind of a, a oh, sort yes. of a bit of a fraternity, huh?
5: Yes, sir. I mean, really, I just feel like I'm family with the people that I show with. Like, it is, it's one of those things, like, if I don't if I don't let's say I don't do good didn't do good at Dixie this year or something um, I'm not going to be upset because you know some of my friends got it and I know they put in just as work as, just as much work as I do and so it just makes me happy for them and so you know it's kind of like you're happy it's like a win-win on yeah. each side so, so
3: it's one of those sort of competitions where you're you're supportive and you're encouraging each yes. other and you're you're, yes. you're happy for the others when, yes, when they succeed and, and win
5: yes sir and we also help each other and that's a big thing you know most people are like oh yeah we're not gonna help our competition but in this industry it's the complete opposite like you you always are gonna help each other you're gonna build each other up and be happy for each other no matter what Yeah,
3: that's awesome Uh, so Mike after uh, visiting with Leighton here I would say the future of agriculture in our states in good hands
4: Absolutely. You couldn't get a better set of kids that are coming through this. is going to be uh, great leaders for the ag industry moving forward and great leaders for the state. Yeah. yeah, Run absolutely. for public office. Uh, mm-hmm. I think will we do well. We need more people in agriculture in, uh, <laughs> in our state government.
3: I think you'll definitely do well. So is there anything beyond this or uh, uh, more shows in store for you, or what are you going to do here?
5: Yes, yeah, sir. So next year is my senior year. Okay. So um, it's my senior Uh, second to last Dixie National and so we'll you know put in as much work as we can, put in all the work next year, and yeah. work real hard to, yeah. you know, get here again.
3: And the so. Dixie National, of course, the greatest show on dirt, <laughs> attracts folks from all over the country.
5: Yes, sir, it does. So all those people, they always come to the rodeo and everything.
3: Yeah. So do any of them participate in the sale of champions as well? Do we um, is it, Do we allow folks from out of state?
5: So Dix, the livestock show, yeah. um, I think the open shows, I might could be wrong, but I think those might be uh, – state i could be wrong but um i know dixie national like the oh, livestock yeah. show it's just um uh people in state yeah
3: so. yeah well it, it it certainly is awesome so um, it, what kind of feedback do you get after you after you um succeed like that what, what sort of feedback do you get from folks that really do appreciate your efforts they certainly they recognize how hard you've worked to get to that point yes
5: yeah, sir well on my, uh, with my family and everything yeah. um you know we all are putting in work so sure. You know, it's almost like like it's not just me winning. So it's like we all kinda are just proud of each other. Team. Yes, sir. Yeah. Th- it really is. Effort, right? Yes, sir, for yeah. sure.
3: Well that's much the way it is on the actual farms themselves, isn't it? Yes, not? sir. It can't it be is. done just by one person. It requires a team.
5: Oh no, it requires it requires a lot of people. It's it's hard work.
3: Yeah. So do you feel like um, in each successive year that you've participated, do you do you learn stuff and and oh, improve yes. for the next year?
5: Oh yes, for sure. I mean, it's it's crazy the stuff that you learn. I mean, you can't you can't. I've heard people say before you can't teach people you can't like teach people in schools like what you learn in the livestock barn. Sure. And that is so true because I've learned stuff here like just life lessons, and it's made me a better person and everything like that. So. But
3: you know, don't you feel like that'll carry on, say, in your college education and then your your professional life afterwards?
5: Oh yes, sir, for sure, for sure. It'll I mean, differ-
3: that's a big. It, right? Yes,
5: sir. My yeah. my work ethic has gotten. I mean, I mean, with having livestock, you have to have a good work ethic, and I feel like that, you know, kind of feeds into like my life and everything. Like, just like I'll have a good work ethic in everything I do because, you know, showing livestock has taught me to, you know, work hard and you'll succeed. So.
7: Yeah. Well,
3: certainly that's uh, no secret about that, <laughs> is there, Mike? You you uh, you choose the agriculture industry as an occupation. Um, you can be rewarded, but you've got to work hard like you do at anything else.
4: Yeah, farming's not a easy job. It's really a difficult uh, profession, but the people that do it are, are chosen by God to 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 help feed His world. And it's something that's inside of you. And uh, we've got a great new generation coming up, and we couldn't have a better place to develop those skills than what you're seeing here with the youth today.
3: And that's a good point. I mean, Mississippi, we really do serve the world from an agricultural perspective. This is is a global commodity.
4: somebody sits down to eat three times a day you got to thank your farmer because somebody got out and uh, worked hard to provide that food for their family
3: yeah absolutely so uh, what's what do you think about uh, majoring in in that respect
5: um I really truly it changes every day Okay. I mean you could ask any of my friends (laughs) but um I mean just uh, anything like political science, something oh. like that. I mean, anything because of your
1: political aspirations, yeah, sir. of yeah, course, sir. I should have known that. Yes, yeah, sir. <laughs> and
5: I'm wanting to go to law school after. Okay. So if everything like that works out, then um, that's just something along those lines is what I'll do. Maybe that's not. It really cool. maybe not exactly political science, but some kind of major with that. So.
3: Well, uh, it's been a delight to speak <laughs> with you today. I have absolutely no doubt in my mind that you will succeed at whatever profession you choose. <laughs>
5: yes, yeah,
3: sir. Uh, I'd love to see you enter the political realm and, and also uh, be a member of the agriculture <laughs> committee uh, community in, here in Mississippi. Take care and congratulations yes, on sir. all your success. Thank you. Leighton Varner, scholarship recipient. Folks, we're stepping aside for a break for the Mississippi Farm Bureau and Ag Up Sale of Champions coming right back. Mm-hmm.
8: Hey, hey. I'm all
0: Middays with Gerard Gibbert. It is on on Super Talk, Mississippi.
3: There
5: she
6: stood.
3: Welcome back, everyone. It is middays. We're live today at the Mississippi Trademark for the Mississippi Farm Bureau and Ag Up, a sale of champions. Really enjoyed uh, the interview with Leighton Varner on the C text line. Bart in Columbus says, Young people like her give me hope for the future of Mississippi. I totally agree with you, uh, Bart. Appreciate you sending that in. We welcome to the program now Jacob Moorhead, Rodeo announcer, producer, Harper and Morgan. J- Jacob, thanks for coming on. Dixie National in town.
6: Yes, sir. It's that time again. You know, we start that countdown uh, a day after it ends in 2023. We find ourselves right back here on the old Mississippi Fairgrounds. Yeah. uh, It is the one. The greatest show on dirt. You bet. Proud to bring it back to town. Nine performances coming our way. And uh, we bring to town all the things that truly make rodeo special.
3: Yeah, so any time you, of course, uh, talk about uh, the Dixie National Rodeo. You you have to remember the great Mike Mathis, who you sadly passed away um, not too long ago. in yeah, uh, uh, December.
6: Middle of December. Uh, we were at the National Finals Rodeo, and I don't think he'd have had it any other way. Yeah. Uh, just laid down to go to bed one night, and and that was it. And uh, I tell you what, a, a great man in an institution had an opportunity the other day to visit at our kickoff press conference about Mike and. Um, you know, he uh, he's from Lufkin, Texas, Angelina County, Texas, over in Peace, Texas, and that's where his head was. He uh, he was a big part of everything there, a committee chairman of his own medium-sized pro rodeo uh, that has lots of success over the years. But and he never let me say this, but now he's passed away, so I can Um He uh, his heart was here, Jackson, Mississippi, was his big one, hmm. and he did. Fort Smith, Arkansas, the, the days of 47 in Salt Lake City, Utah. Uh, the National Finals steer roping. The National Finals rodeo as an alternate one year. Doesn't matter. Jackson, Mississippi is where he came in the late 90s. Uh, worked with Phil Gardenhire, who was the guy here. And boy, there shortly after turn of the millennium, he was the guy here. An institution, so much more than an announcer. Uh, but a friend to everybody in Jackson knew everybody I yeah. came here in 2012 and uh, to work alongside him and uh, as a as a production person and his he was a uh, uh, worked in the truck marketing business as well on the side and and I did that with him and I was just blown away and all of the relationships here in Jackson that he put me in as as part of him, uh, there'd be no way to succeed going forward if I if didn't have that foundation that he paved the way for. Um, and th- the fun thing was that this show right here in 2023, uh, we were putting together some things for his services and, and, and going forward some tributes that we've done at rodeos leading up to this, Lafayette, Louisiana, Lake Charles, Louisiana, where he was also part of, of, of what took place there and, and those successful rodeos. And that entire presentation of his memorials based around the super talk interview he gave here last year you gave him an opportunity yeah, sure to did. tell his story. Remember it well. And he um, he wouldn't do that very much. Uh, hmm. Very humble guy. Um, it was hard to get that out of him. But here in Jackson again, you know, it felt like home. Hmm. Like Liesl Harris used to say all the time, another institution here of 40 plus years. Um, Jackson's like coming home. Jackson's our excuse to do our best when when we build something to go to a rodeo somewhere in the wintertime, one of our other 22 performances we do we do it this way because it's how we're going to do I'll it in Jackson darn.
3: huh yes sir. interesting well and and honestly Jacob your your description of his personality i guess outside of his uh, of his duties as the announcer at the rodeo uh, they seem to really r- ring through when he was announcing the radio rodeo i mean it, i think that was
6: exhibited it's a perfectionist thing by now you know we start tomorrow night by now if i didn't have him his notes on I'm the rodeo production man yeah. if i didn't have him his notes on how these openings are going to go how the show flow is going to go can you get me numbers on the sale of champions because he's going to go back to his office he's going to put that together and he's going to write it down but he's not going to carry a piece of paper out there in the arena <laughs> right he is, uh, is going to have it all right here <laughs> and that level of perfectionism is a lost and dying art just like riding a horse I'm I'm having to replace him at his hometown rodeo in Lufkin and you want to talk about an absurd tall order Um, uh, finding somebody that will ride a horse, finding somebody that's articulate, finding somebody that cares to educate more than entertain um, he was that guy. He, yeah. he could strike that balance, and people just felt at home. People knew when he rode through the gate on that horse, you know, maybe he'll give me the pair of boots, you know. A big part of of, of everything here that's steeped in tradition. Now, say all that to say that, that the rodeo is going to move forward. It's going to be a huge success, and, and we're bringing the right people in to to take up that mantle.
3: So, uh, Jacob, in in your experience uh, with rodeos, does this rodeo, so you're talking about how how Mike sort of saw this as uh, the standard. Mm-hmm. and would say, this is the way we're planning to do it in Jackson, thus we're going to do it elsewhere. D- does this rodeo get discussed at other rodeos and people that are just on the circuit? They so talk an exciting about thing,
6: thing about this rodeo, this is largest rodeo in the Southeastern Circuit, one of the largest. Mm-hmm. The uh, pro rodeo is broken into 12 circuits nationwide. But another fun thing, everybody is vying for a chance to go to the National Finals Rodeo. added rodeos such as this are are called large indoor rodeos. It puts us on the same stage as Houston, San Antonio, Um, large indoor rodeos, San Angelo, and so that's us. We're also part of the Cinch Playoff Series and an opportunity to go to Million Dollar Added Rodeo in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, at the end of the calendar or the end of the competition year. Okay. That is the top sixty rodeos in the country. They're handpicked by the committee. These are the rodeos that will qualify you to the Cinch okay. Playoffs or the Governor's Cup. Okay. All right. In Sioux Falls, South Dakota, giving you an opportunity to make that last push to the NFR. So not only do the prize dollars from here count toward the NFR, you're also qualifying for an opportunity to go to this million-dollar-added rodeo in Sioux Falls at the end of the competition year as part of the cinch playoff series, so that also gives us that added weight. Of of that. Okay, so the the respect, the status mm-hmm. and, that uh,
3: this rodeo has earned is, is recognized throughout the country.
6: Well, you know, we have that foundation uh, built by the, the legendary Steiner Rodeo Company, the XS, uh, and then James Harper, Ralph Morgan over in Lauderdale. Yeah. Um, they uh, they took this thing over 40 plus years ago. And really turned it into what it is today. It's been it's it's gone through several different owners. Our new executive producer and owner, Rory Lemel, has been around the rodeo game forever. He thinks outside the box. He is responsible for the Cinch Governor's Cup, um, and he brings that same level of enthusiasm and excitement here with the personnel that he hires. The fact that we're two weekends now, we're back to pyro and rock and roll, while not forgetting the roots and tradition mm-hmm. that make the Dixie National great. So you know we want to keep that that old rodeo feel alive but we want people to be excited to come here as well yeah and you know all that plays through we try to work it out uh we'll have that more traditional feel the first week and we'll really amp things up that second week here and turn up the heat a little bit both of them are exciting and great we just want to make sure that we cover all our bases while making people feel like they're at a rodeo but they're having a great time
3: too. yeah so i mean by by sort of diversifying the schedule and, and the events and the, and, the, and the entertainment acts. I mean, you're, you're really uh, appealing to a much broader
6: audience. You bet, you know, and, and changing things up. used to be we, we had an act. We ran it through the entire event. You know, uh, We'd have Mike announce the rodeo. We have two announcers now. They're going to do a great job. I'm actually not an announcer. I'm just a production manager. Andy Stewart uh, announced the National Finals Rodeo in 2019. He's actually been here with Mike for years, announcing sponsorships and such as that. He'll take over this year as the sole announcer on the front. And then for the second week, we're going to bring in Pro Rodeo's two-time announcer of the year, Garrett Yergin, very exciting young man, um, originally from Oklahoma. He now makes his home to the west side of the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex, and uh, he'll come in the second week, work alongside Andy in tandem, give us that real TV feel as we're going to be on national television as well via the Cowboy Channel. Uh, Tim Leopard from up in Pontotoc is going to be our specialty act. He'll have the monkeys riding the border collies. (laughs) Team Ghost Riders will be here, and then for that second week, Rodeo's 15-time specialty act of the year, John Payne, the one-armed bandit, he's back by popular demand after probably a 20 year hiatus. Yeah. He'll, uh, he'll put his horses, his uh, mustangs and maybe a zebra on top <laughs> of a uh, truck and trailer inside of the arena. <laughs> so uh, the entertainment portfolio is there. We'll have the concerts, the big acts, the sound, the lights, the stage, all the things that make the Dixie National the Dixie National and the standard of rodeo east of the Mississippi. That's
3: amazing. Uh, before we go here, what, what about the facilities uh, that where the Dixie National is conducted? How, how do we, we rate versus the others in the
6: the the level of refurbishment that this place has been through in the last few years i'm sure everyone in, in mississippi notices you know there, there are some rodeos that are in some world-class places and we're making those changes or michael laster the team here at the mississippi fairgrounds the commissioner is making all the changes necessary to keep us as a top-tier facility so we are uh we're really gunning towards that. New trademark, upgraded facilities in the Coliseum, giving the stock show folks a chance to.
3: That's awesome. Well, we look forward to a fantastic uh, greatest show on dirt. Appreciate it. Jacob Moorhead, thanks Thank you, for coming you. on. Appreciate yep. you. We're stepping aside for a break right here. We cu- we're coming back with Jamie Swafford, the marketing manager of Ag Up Equipment. Once again, we're at the Mississippi Trademark for the Mississippi Farm Bureau and Ag Up Sale of Champions. Stay with us.
0: Days with Gerard Gibbert. Keep rolling. Three, two, one. On Super Talk, Mississippi.
3: at the Mississippi Trademark, middays, are the, the Element Wealth Studios set up here in the hallway outside the trade hall. We're here for the Mississippi Farm Bureau and Ag Up, a sale of uh, champions. And speaking of Ag Up, we have Jamie Swafford, marketing manager for Ag Up Equipment. Jamie, good to see you again. The greatest show on dirt back in town, the sale of champions today. Lots of buzz, lots of activities well, the way we like to see it.
9: Yeah. It looks awesome. We so, love seeing all the kids here,
3: it's awesome. So, um, what are we focused on these days uh, at AGA?
9: Uh, selling tractors.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I knew that <laughs>
9: selling green paint. We have some, some incredible deals going on. We have lots of equipment out here for people to look at, but right now, uh, in the compact utility tractors, we yeah. have a three series tractor where you can get zero for 60 months on it.
3: So is is that sponsored by John Deere the financing? Is that are they the ones doing through John Deere financing? Okay, so they're they're looking to they're looking to sell stuff. Yep, what they're trying to do because that's that's really pretty unusual and very. Uh, generous when you consider um, interest rates on just traditional bank financing.
9: Yeah, you can even save seven seven $750 off currently with the zero for 60 yeah. months. And, I mean, that's going to get you some implements because, you know, we don't just go tractoring. We need, yeah. we need uh, a rotary cutter, a box blade, any of those type of things.
3: So, no secret that... Uh Last year, we experienced a significant drought throughout most of Mississippi. Yep. Is that kind of changing or is that influencing what folks are looking to buy in the way of tractors and, and agricultural equipment?
9: It definitely, I think, impacted our hay market. Uh, you know, obviously, when, when we have a drought, the grass doesn't grow as fast. But uh, I think, you know, it looks like we're in a good place this year and I think we're going to be, be just fine. You may have a little bit more cleanup on your property. Uh, after the drought we've seen a lot of uh, trees dying off so you might have some things you need to come see us for the tools to get the job done
3: so tell us about where the stores are located the ag up stores i know that's a pretty long list these days
9: (laughs) it is (laughs) we have 12 stores in mississippi Uh, as far north as lexington south as poplarville So that kind of covers and then we have four stores in Arkansas, In Arkansas. 16 locations.
3: And I know I have to ask you this, uh, uh, it's obligatory every time uh, we do an interview, do we have plans for more stores elsewhere, perhaps entering new states? Can you talk about that I or not?
9: I have <laughs> heard that. No one's, no one's <laughs> given me that uh, heads up. So no, right now we're, we're 16 locations. Wow, and, uh, that's a lot. Yeah, we're happy with that number right now.
3: Yeah, and... You know, I ride by one of them up on 55 uh, north of Madison. There, that's a our camp location. That's okay, correct. yep. Um, and it's a it's a it's a big operation with lots of equipment out there on the grounds, and uh, all, always looks spectacular.
9: Well, thank you. We uh, we are happy to be there. It's a great location for us, and you know that that location has large ag equipment as well as small ag equipment, and we are you know we also have. C- Uh, compact construction equipment is a little (laughs) mouthful
3: sometimes. John Deere, the leader in the industry, without a doubt. Yes. And uh, something that Mike just mentioned, and and it kind of dovetails into, um, uh, there's a slide I have on a sort of a standard presentation I I regularly make to to civic groups when I'm I'm asked to do so. And it, it just talks about technology and its impact on future society. And I have one slide that features John Deere. And uh, that slide essentially presents them, and I always say, you think John Deere is a tractor company. They're really an IT company that makes tractors is what it boils down to. So Mike McCormick just said they now have more IT staff than they have mechanical engineers.
9: I don't know the exact numbers, but that—that that is... That is correct. We are They're
3: high-tech devices. High-tech. <laughs> it's really cool, though. And it,
9: and it, you know, people think it's just in the large ag equipment, but it is starting to filter down. Uh, technology has allowed us to produce more food, uh, higher yields, things like that. So yeah. it, it's it's about feeding the world and and how we get there, uh, with with what we have, because last time I checked, we don't produce more land.
3: Right. That's <laughs> so. exactly right. So we, uh, and, and of course the amount of yield and the output, I know this is something they measure regularly uh, per the staff they have. And what these uh, these uh, equipment, these tractors allow them to do is just produce a whole lot more with either the same level of staff or perhaps even add more land that, that they cultivate and farm with the same staff.
9: So, you know, our tractors have the technology to collect data and, and our, our farm uh, community and our producers now use that data to make better agronomic decisions, and it's, it's really impressive.
3: Many yeah. of them are autonomous, right?
9: We don't have autonomy yet in okay. Mississippi, but that—that is—that okay. is not a far-fetched idea. It is coming. I've yes. read
3: about it. Yes. I mean, they're investing here. heavily it's just in that. It
10: is here. not here. <laughs>
3: and like every other company, John Deere has a has a huge uh, initiative in artificial intelligence. They yes. see a future for that as well. Yes, and absolutely. And that's going to improve us even more.
9: We hope so. That <laughs> That's is <the> exciting.
3: Plan. <laughs> Jamie Swafford, Marketing Manager, Ag Up Equipment. Appreciate you coming on. Thank we'll you. We'll talk to you later on in the program. Folks, we're stepping aside for a break. It's top of the hour. That means it's Fox News, Super Talk News coming your way in the next hour. Andy Berry, Senator for District 35, Emma Cameron, Miss Rodeo America, and Aunt Emma Watts, Mix D- Dixie National is coming on in the next
0: hour. <laughs>
3: Welcome back everyone. Hour 2 of Middays. We are live at the beautiful Mississippi Trade Mart for the Mississippi Farm Bureau in Ag Up, the Sale of Champions. We have relocated the Element Wealth Studio down to the vestibule here that adjoins and serves the big trade halls and uh, we are just tickle pink to be here. Are you thinking about or planning for retirement? Do you have a plan? Go to MyElementWealth.com or call 601-957-6006 to let Element Wealth help you find your balance between income, growth, and guarantees. Of course, we had Element Wealth partner Jeremy Nelson on the program yesterday. That was a uh, an interesting discussion, as it always is, about the current state of the financial markets and the future of the nation's economy and how that might affect financial markets, but today, Rhino, the big news nationally is that the Supreme Court is presently hearing arguments uh, on behalf of four affiliated Republican voters and two unaffiliated voters who sued the state of Colorado because they removed Mr. Trump from the ballot and uh, is... As expected, the case has made its way to the highest court in the land, the United States Supreme Court. So today is the day. They're hearing arguments on this historic case. I am uh, reading reports coming out of the various news organizations about it. Shannon Stevenson, serving as Colorado's top appellate attorney, just a few minutes ago has now been allotted 10 minutes to argue on behalf of the Colorado Secretary of State. That would be Jenna Griswold, a Democrat. And then, uh, of course, you got those who are arguing on behalf of the voters who sued the state over disqualifying Mr. Trump from appearing on the ballot, pointing to uh, I guess what you could call a a rather obscure and not widely used amendment, the 14th Amendment, Section 3, which bars from holding public office any, quote, officer of the United States who took an oath to support the Constitution of the United States and then engaged in insurrection or rebellion against the same or given aid or comfort to the enemies thereof. So uh, that just seems so incredibly subjective. And uh, uh, this is where that uh, I, I conflated, honestly, a couple of days ago, the charges against Mr. Trump. Those January 6th charges that are still down at the federal court level, those deal with his essentially interference in an election as a result of the events of of January 6th and just obstruction of the federal government being able to conduct this business, there were no insurrection charges. Insurrection, more specifically, applies to what's going on in Colorado and Maine where officials in those states have uh, essentially invoked the 14th Amendment amendment as uh, the underlying reason for their disqualification of Mr. Trump from their ballots. And so we got four Republican voters and two unaffiliated voters who sued uh, to keep Trump off of uh, the ballot. And that's just crazy, honestly. Man, oh, man. Um, we'll see where that goes. So I guess that a lot of the... Legal scholars feel like we'll either get a 9-0 to or 7-2 decision uh, that would essentially reverse what the Secretary of State in Colorado did, which would allow Mr. Trump to appear on the ballot. This is what Justice Samuel Alito just said. The consequences of what the Colorado Supreme Court did, some people claim, would be quite severe. The decision of the Colorado Supreme Court could effectively decide this question for many other states, perhaps all other states. I mean, fundamentally, the problem I have with this is the people should have the right to pick their president. It's just simple as that. Why do you have to disqualify that person on the ballot with, honestly, um, a charge that is, is tepid at best, at best, a charge that that uh, it relies on this 14th Amendment and uh, one of the sections therein, it is incredibly, incredibly subjective, uh, in, in my view. I mean, what happened on January 6th, first of all, to even maintain and assert that that was an insurrection, and then to t- try to connect Mr. Trump to what happened on January 6th, it just seems specious. and and really kinda riding on thin ice at, at best. But here's the thing, what are they afraid of? That he may be on the ballot, and I don't know when, and by the way, I saw a poll this morning, Rhino, that shows that Mr. Trump is gaining ground in the state of Colorado at the expense of Mr. Biden. And of course, you guys probably saw just this week at a press conference, Mr. Biden could not remember The name of the terrorist organization that inflicted death and carnage on innocent Israelis back in October and continues to at least attempt to do so, he couldn't remember the name. How could you not remember? And this is, now we're learning, this is like an hour or so after a briefing and after him being, I guess, educated on the current situation there. He comes out and can't remember it. One of the reporters actually piped up that was in the audience and stated the name of Hamas. He can't remember it. So every day you just see this, this further cognitive decline. I think voters are seeing this, and they're incredibly skeptical about his ability to observe another four years. I mean, we're looking at four and a half years or four years and, and two-thirds of a year at this point. So that... I think that's figuring into these polls, at a minimum. Right? Are you seeing anything else? Any other updates on what's happening at the uh, Supreme Court? Uh, I do see Ketanji Brown Jackson uh, actually said that she she worries was the term she used whether the insurrectionist ban applies to the president here. So, uh, of course, Miss Brown and a, an appointee of. President Biden and would be considered a member of the liberal wing of the court. You see anything else, Rhino?
2: Uh, the only other argument I've seen, and it's in that same vein that Kentanji Brown was talking about, is there were earlier drafts of the 14th, Amend- 14th Amendment that included the office of president and vice president in Section 3. And because those weren't included in the final draft, that was passed by the Senate and then ratified two years later. It it really does make the thin ice start to crack. Yeah,
3: I, I agree. Justice Brett Kavanaugh says that he, he's concerned. He says your position. This is his statement to the attorney for. Um, for the Colorado voters, on why former President Trump should be disqualified from the ballot should be, and Kavanaugh says Justice Kavanaugh says your position has the effect of disenfranchising voters to a significant degree, to a significant degree. So, and I and I agree, uh, disenfranchising in that you're, the person I want to vote for is not even on the ballot because some politically motivated individual, the, the Secretary of State, says, oh yeah, you can't be on the ballot. I mean, this is ridiculous, you know, that, that an individual like that, and wasn't it also upheld, that, do I have this right, Rhino, right, oh, by the Colorado Supreme Court, I believe? And, and so you got just a, a, a small group of people that are making decisions on behalf of Honestly, of the entire country, if you think about it, because you remove a state from participating uh, in the election, certainly when you consider the way the electoral vote uh, works. And, and, and by the way, in Colorado, what are they worried about? Uh, I can't remember the last time Colorado's electoral votes actually uh, went to a Republican nominee because the popular vote went in favor of the Republican, uh, again I ask, what what are you guys worried about? Well, maybe it's because you got a really crappy candidate in Joe Biden. That's what you're worried about, and and so you don't feel like you can you can win in the public square. Rather, you've just made the decision to remove the opponent. That's that's your way of achieving victory. Oh, we just get rid of our competition. Gosh, I wish we could do that in business. Unbelievable. It's just truly unbelievable. So we're going to keep an eye on this for you folks and and see what happens as this thing plays out. But Supreme Court in session right now hearing the arguments on whether or not to uphold the Colorado decision to remove Mr. Trump from the the presidential ballot in uh, the state. We're coming right back with Andy Berry, a senator from District 35. State senator, represents Capaya, Jefferson Davis, Lawrence, and Simpson counties. We're at the Mississippi Farm Bureau in Ag Up Sale of Champions. Back, everyone. It's Bid Days. We're at the Mississippi trademark for the uh, Mississippi Farm Bureau and Ag Up sale of uh, champions. That's where we have relocated the Element Well studio. We welcome to the program now Andy Berry. Uh, Mississippi State Senator represents District 35, which includes uh, Copiah, Jefferson Davis, Lawrence, and Simpson County. Senator, thanks for coming on.
7: Well, I appreciate the invitation.
3: Thank you for having me this morning. So I believe the last time uh, you and I talked, uh, y- you shared with me in somewhat privately that you intended to run for the State I, Senate. I
7: think it was a year ago here today. I believe actually, so. I had, I had told you that. And yeah, and now you are one, and, as and they say. That's it. And thankfully, <laughs> that time, I had already qualified, and nobody else sad, so I had a, I had a very fortunate uh, and blessed race of, of no opponents. Yeah, so you come from
3: an agricultural background,
7: right? I do. You know, I've worked for the last 10 or so years for the Mississippi Cattlemen's Association, the Mississippi Beef Council. I, I, I grew up on a farm. I, I grew up, like many of these children here today, uh, raising and exhibiting animals here at the Dixie National and the State Fair, and on a national scale as well, uh, you know, personally, but uh, I, I know the work that these children have put in to get here today, and, and uh, they don't do it by Accident. Uh, yeah, if they're here today.
3: Yeah, so uh, we just interviewed. Of course, you 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 may not have caught it, but Layton Varner, of course, is uh, the daughter of Lance Varner. Yes, sir. So and and she did a fantastic job. But we got lots of positive comments back on our text line about. Uh, just how, how well she conducted herself during the interview and how impressed they were and how they, they felt very positive about the future of, uh, of Mississippi and in particular for our agriculture industry and uh, something that obviously you're involved in. But it's important that we continue to pass down that profession. I, right?
7: Absolutely. I, I can trace back uh, the path that led me to, the, to being uh, you know, formerly a trade association and then, then being in the Senate. Uh, started at this Youth Livestock program, the yeah. 4-H program, the FFA program is what got me started. Uh, kind of got me out. I was kind of a shy kid and, and didn't like to be up front. I uh, didn't like standing stand in front of people, but I, I learned through those programs uh, to to do the you know to, to have those skills, to speak up, uh, to find my voice, to, to be passionate about something, but also to work. Uh, to get up every morning and have a responsibility that there was another leaving, living, breathing animal that depended upon me For its existence and its success, yeah. And so you know, there's a mini night at at, you know nine or ten o'clock after I get back when I was in high school. I'd have to come back from football practice, uh, go out there and and work with my animals, and it's no different than these kids here. They're, They're up every morning before school. Uh, going out and, and, and tending these animals, providing the, you know the care and the, and the feed that they need, and then, then working—it's a family affair. Uh, it, it takes all of them, but these kids learn a lot of valuable lessons through this project.
3: That's absolutely consistent with what Leighton shared as well—that it it's it's a lot of work uh, before and after school. It is a a, a family team collaborative effort, which uh, I think is uh, consistent with what. Um, professional farming is, it is is all about
7: it is you know these these kids a lot of them they don't go on vacations they have a family trip to, to an out-of-state uh, livestock show of some description or they're out searching for animals uh, But this is what the family does and it brings them together and and you know this uh, baseball and sports are great my, my kids have participated in both of these projects both sure. sports and and the 4-H program and it was it was good for our family as it is all of these Tell us about uh, the, the cattle industry uh,
3: specifically. I, I've seen some reports recently that there's some uh, problems uh, nationwide that the industry is is facing and we might be looking at some some cost increases of, of beef
7: in you, particular you know, as a result. I read a report uh, earlier this week mm-hmm. that the cattle inventory is the lowest it's been in, in almost 70 years mm-hmm. uh, going back to the 60's so so more than most people has been alive. We have fewer number of cattle and so you know it's just a simple law of supply and demand sure. when there's less of them out there and and what's brought that on uh, mainly Gerard is drought uh, you know, we we look back in the Midwest, Texas, North has had drought for a couple of years, but then that drought spread, you know, into Georgia this year. All, mm-hmm. all every county in Mississippi experienced at least a, a D three, and they all got to D four mm. at some point, which is a major drought. Uh, and so we've had a lot of sell off of our herds across the country. And and when you sell those cows, which is the factory of the cattle cycle, uh, it's hard to replace those because they've got to be, you know, probably two years old before they're actually able to produce a calf. And then that yeah. calf, before it can turn into to a product, it's another 18 months. You're looking at almost four years uh, if I wanted to keep a, a, a you know turn a cow into a factory today. Yeah. Before you could get a product out of that. So we, I expect you know for one, it's going to be good for our cattle farmers. Uh, we're going to hopefully reap some rewards in that market uh, and, and the consumers. Uh, you know, so far our demand has been has kept up with with the pricing. Yeah. We, we have a good product. You know, to your point, I, I remember speaking uh, this past August when
3: we were right in the throat. Of, of the obviously the worst part of the drought because we had extremely hot temperatures as well, um, and over in Smith County where there are um, a lot of farmers, obviously a lot, I believe a lot of cattle farmers if there I'm not are. mistaken, and, and they were talking about having to put the hay out from their from their yeah. reserves much earlier than than normal, and they expressed some concerns about that.
7: It, it's been it's been terrible to find full for- winter forage uh, for our cattle. You know that we depend a lot. In, in central and south Mississippi, particularly on on winter ryegrass, and so we were late because it didn't rain. You gotta have, yeah. gotta have uh, you know water to grow the grass, and so you know personally myself, I didn't cut any hay after the middle of June, hmm. and and so I make the bulk of my hay, and, and a lot of folks do in in late June and into July. Well, that was non-existent. Uh, there, there, if you didn't have it made by by July first, you didn't have any any moisture to produce any more hay, and the, and the temperatures are so high. Uh, it really stressed, uh, you know, the forage production, and to the point in South Mississippi, you, you know, you could name your price, and you probably couldn't buy any extra hay uh, even today. Yeah, amazing. So is that situation, will it stabilize, you feel like? This you know, year? as as what we've seen is, is of course, that we've had a, hurry, a huge sell-off. We had record runs in our cattle markets uh, back in the fall yeah. of people, you know, they knew they couldn't take care of them, yeah. so they, they sold them. And and so they're just they don't have that inventory there so they didn't have as many to feed. Yeah. And so that's, that's again that that goes back into why our inventory is so low. All those cattle went into into hamburger meat that mm-hmm. were sold like that. And and so it's just a you know, kind of a self fulfilling prophecy of of once that sell off started until it rained, there was no reason to, to, to stop selling. Well, if the climate change activists had their way, we wouldn't have any cows. We wouldn't. We'd be eating processed dog food. Is uh, what we ultra processed dog food. Unbelievable. And 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 you know they keep pushing that, and and we see some some even some cell cultured stuff that's out there. Uh, you know we have worked very hard to to kind of prevent that from taking hold in Mississippi, and and you know by and large consumers don't have the appetite for it. Right. Uh, I've I've never tried it. I've I've talked to some people that have, but uh, it's not something that I'm all. I'm gonna waste a lot of time cooking or eating. How's it been serving in the Senate? You know, it's been it's been very good. Uh, you know, we're starting to get started. You know, we've had a lot of committee meetings. There's there's a lot that goes on, as you know, behind the scenes. Yeah. Uh, that that necessarily happened out on the Senate floor this time of year, and so getting the committees going you know we're starting to, to look through those bills and, and and actually do the work that that the people sent us up there for and so it uh, been been very welcoming uh, both sides of the aisle have been been very welcome to help me get uh to get acclimated to to the floor up there
3: I know something that has has garnered a fair amount of discussion uh, I believe in, on both sides of of the hall there is is um just the sale of land. Uh, to the Chinese and, yes, and those who are adversarial to the country,
7: uh, you think we're going to see some legislation to that effect? What I've, do you think I've about heard that? rumors of several bills floating around with that. I, I've I've been looking into that issue for several years, and even even with the the, the Cattlemen's Association, we we tried several different variances uh, of, of policy. Proposals to to produce at our national level, uh, we wanted to you know like everybody if you know eliminate it. Yeah. And, and then we came that we couldn't get that done because there were some legitimate problems with with different concerns of, of ownership you know uh, out there, and we said okay well let's let's pull it back to a reciprocal approach, and if you can't you know if we can't do it there they can't do it here and that 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 makes the most sense to me uh you know i don't know what uh what will also came up to I attended all the committee meetings this summer <laughs> Uh, that that they had uh, dealing with that at the Capitol. And so I have not personally seen any language yet, but I know there's some floating around. And with the deadline next week, I I suspect there'll be some bills. Some states, as you know, have
3: enacted some Mm -hmm. legislation, some more restrictive than others, but uh, I I would think those would probably serve as as a guide somewhat in crafting our, our legislation. I
7: know nearby Arkansas, I think, passed a bill last year. You know, and it's a tricky subject because there's, you know, we whether we like it or not, we live in a global economy. Sure. There's all different structures of ownership that we see out there, Um, and and so how we tackle that, and then you also you have to, you know. A point that's been made that I think is a valid point is is looking at limiting the ability to sell your land. Yeah. And so there, there's it's a very complex issue. I, you know, I think everybody would like to just rubber stamp and say, no, you can't do it. Uh, but but it gets a little bit more complicated.
3: Well, and before we go, another point is uh, the Chinese are a big market for American
7: farmers Absolutely. as well. Absolutely. Consider that as well. It all goes into that equation.
3: Appreciate you coming on. Senator Andy Berry has been our guest. Folks, when we come back, it's Emma Cameron, Miss Rodeo America, and Emma Watts, Miss Dixie National Rodeo. We're at the Mississippi Farm Bureau and Ag Up Sale of Champions. Stay with us.
0: Middays with Gerard Gibbert on Super Talk, Mississippi. Girl,
3: to Welcome back everyone. It's middays. We're live in the Element Well studio at the mississippi trademark for the mississippi farm bureau and ag up a sale of champions we are pleased to welcome to the set now it's emma emma cameron miss rodeo america emma would be to my right and emma <laughs> emma watts miss miss dixie national is to my left we got two emma's here on middays and <laughs> <laughs> I, I called them Emma squared before they came on the program, but so I am flanked by two lovely, beautiful young ladies, and, and pleased to have uh, you folks on the show. So, first uh, for you, Miss Rodeo America, Emma. Yes, I can't just refer to you as Emma because <laughs> you wouldn't know who I'm talking to. So, I uh, so tell us about when you earned this title, uh, where that occurred. When it uh, tell us about that.
7: Yes,
10: sir. So every December in Las Vegas, there's a ten day long rodeo called the National finals rodeo and alongside that is an eight-day long pageant called the Miss Rodeo America pageant. So I served as Miss Rodeo New Mexico all year last year and that qualified me to go to Miss Rodeo America in December and compete there.
3: Okay, so you just answered my next question which is from where are you from? Yes sir, New Mexico. (laughs) New Mexico. First time in Mississippi? Yes, been sir. Here First time? Yes, sir. Well, welcome to the hospitality Thank state. Thank you very much. I'm like surely feeling
10: that. Yes, sir. Yeah, that's <laughs> awesome.
3: And uh, you're in town because of the Dixie National yes, Rodeo. We call it the greatest show on dirt, I as you well aware. I can
10: definitely understand why. Yes,
3: sir. Okay, so Emma Watts, Miss yes, Dixie National Rodeo. Um, you, of course, earned uh, that title um, to represent this great event we have here in the state of Mississippi. When did Absolutely. that occur?
8: Um, About three weeks ago, right here in the Trademark, I had the privilege of running against some very good girls um, and got lucky enough to be able to get this title to represent this great association.
3: How would you get involved in this?
8: I was the Alabama high school rodeo queen okay. um, for three consecutive years in a row. I went to nationals every year. Um, I took a two-year break from it, and then I saw Miss Jacqueline Irvin um, at several rodeos carrying the American flag, and um, watching her carry that flag, it made me realize I wanted to get back into it. Um, and so that's kind of where it where I'm ended up right now.
3: Emma Cameron, Miss Rodeo America. So how how yes, is are these kinds of competitions, are, are they different than more traditional sort of pageants?
10: They're very similar to the traditional pageants you on see, would see on TV just in terms of the interviews, the speaking skills we're expected to have, the general knowledge about current events and things like that. But yeah. instead of having what you would consider a talent like mainstream pageants, we're judged on our horsemanship and our rodeo knowledge. So they give us a horse we've never ridden before and a pattern we've never ridden before, and we execute that in front of the judges and they judge how well we do that. Okay.
3: Okay, so you've got to have some rodeo skills to earn the title of Miss Rodeo America. Yes, sir. Uh, That makes sense. (laughs) Yes, sir. (laughs) And so how long have you been riding?
10: Just about my whole life. I started going to junior rodeos and jackpots when I was younger, like four or five. And then as you get older, it kind of progresses. So I high school rodeoed. Actually, that's where I met Emma for the first time. <laughs> okay. And then got a little more serious as you get older and then ran for Miss Rodeo New Mexico.
3: Gotcha. And so you, Emma, Miss Miss Dixie National, <laughs> you, you also come from a, a rodeo, a riding
8: background? Yes, sir. Um, I've, I did like little play day shows since yeah. I was about six years old. Um, got into high school rodeo my freshman year. And now I'm at Pearl River Community College in Poplarville, Mississippi, on the rodeo team there. Oh, so.
3: Okay, yeah. So w- what about uh, the feeling of, of hoisting that beautiful American flag? What do you think about that?
8: Um, it, it really holds a special place in my heart. Um, I come from a military background, my okay. family. Um, so having that privilege of being able to carry that flag is something that's very graceful feeling. And knowing that... it the weights on my shoulders and on my back so yeah
3: and people uh, certainly at the rodeo are so incredibly respectful and they're focused on that so Uh, no pressure on you now (laughs) you just gotta take care of that when you're you're riding on the dirt there so, what are your duties, uh, Miss Rodeo America? Uh, Emma Cameron, what are your duties in, with this title?
10: So, as Miss Rodeo America, you're lucky enough to get it, to do it full time. I actually got to leave my full time job to travel oh. full time as Miss Rodeo America now this yeah. year. So, I travel all across the country to events like this where I spend the week doing school visits, sponsor visits, rodeo events, and help with production at the actual rodeo. So, day to day, it's always something different, and I really love that.
3: So, with the school visits, uh, you're the in, uh, talking to younger children right? yes, sir. And,
8: yes sir and you,
3: you speak about uh, your experience and your, of course um, achieving the title and your responsibilities do you offer them some some words of wisdom as well to try to influence them as, as they develop as youngsters
10: yes sir so as rodeo queens we're expected to be knowledgeable about all things rodeo agriculture and the western way of life and we're really that avenue that goes into schools a lot of times and teaches kids about where their food comes from and how the West was one and how those traditions still exist in the world today to give them a little piece of that and a lot of times the schools we go into are in some kind of unit that coincides with it and the rodeos in town and their community and so we're just that little bridge for them to, to learn more about it.
3: Uniquely American. Yes sir. I mean, I don't know that there's another country in the, in the world that has the legacy of, of cowboys no, and sir. cowgirls, of course. So, yes, sir. Uh, all right, so Emma, uh, uh, let's see, Emma Watts, I've got to make sure I get <laughs> yes, that sir. right, Miss Dixie National uh, Rodeo. So what are your responsibilities?
8: Um, we pretty much have the same responsibilities. Um, we still go to schools, um, carry the flags, um, promote the Western way of life and the Western heritage. Um, it's it's pretty much the, the same thing that Miss America has, just not the um, going all over the country. It's more the state of Mississippi.
3: So, do any of the young girls come up to you and say, "I want to I want to be that someday"? Oh,
8: absolutely. <laughs> that was me at one point, actually. That's what got me into it.
3: I bet that's a thrill.
8: It, it's a lovely feeling.
3: So, there's um, you're expected to be a role model. Absolutely. Yes, Is that right? Yes, sir. And and I'm I'm sure that figures in. Uh, to the decision that that the judges feel like, yeah, these are people that could, the the kind of role model we'd like to see uh, out there representing um, the organization here, and uh, and certainly influencing in a positive way uh, the young people. You were telling me earlier, um, Emma Cameron, Miss Rodeo America, about... The, just the knowledge you have to have in a series of, of questions. How do you prepare for
7: that, or yes, can you?
10: You prepare, a lot of times, being on the road as a state title holder is what I think was the most the best preparation for me. You know, you get put in these situations and you learn something everywhere you go, but Emma and I both have been doing this for years. I studied for 15 years coming up to Miss Rodeo America and you get study guides and you follow the newspapers and all the publications that the Professional Rodeo Cowboys Association puts out. You're expected to know any and all of that at any point in time. So the portions of the pageant really are designed to make sure that you're prepared for that. And they grow you from written tests to on stage questions about current events in rodeo, to try to make sure you can handle those things when they're thrown
3: at you on the road. Wow. Plus, you have to demonstrate your athletic ability as well <laughs> to um, to look like a rodeo participant, essentially, yes, and, and, and show the judges that. Uh, wow, that's that's incredible. What, what sort of rigors uh, were presented to the contestants uh, to earn the title of Miss Dixie National?
8: Um we had like um we didn't have a written test like okay. she did. Okay. Um we had a impromptu question, which is an on stage question. Um, we had interviews, we had horsemanship and we had modeling. So Okay. Not as intense as what Miss Radio America okay. goes through, but still still very intense in a way.
3: Is that something you perhaps aspire to, Miss Rodeo America? Absolutely. Move up to that level?
8: Um, I'm actually looking at running for Miss Mississippi after I graduate from my next two years of college um, to go to Miss America.
3: That is totally awesome. So um, what are your uh, plans professionally, uh, Emma Cameron?
10: So before competing for Miss Rodeo America, I was working as a commodity risk management analyst. Wow. And then after that, I worked in diagnostic technology for a pharmaceutical company for a little while. So I really enjoy that side of the agriculture and animal industry. And I think I'll go back to school and go to graduate school for a little while
8: and then continue pursuing that.
3: Interesting. What about you, Emma Watts?
8: Um, Right now I'm at Pearl River Community College, and I'm um, getting my business degree there. And I plan on taking my real estate test here soon. Real estate? Get my real estate. License and um, then I'm going. I've I've applied to several schools um, and I'm gonna get my ag communication.
3: Okay, so real estate license. That gonna be kind of a side gig. Yes, sir. Okay, commercial or residential real
8: estate. Um, I'm not 100% sure yet. Okay. Um, kind of depends on where I end up. But
3: okay. So you said ag
8: communication. Yes, sir. What exactly is that? Um, it'll be like interviews on RFD TV. um Okay. At the NFR, you can see all the people on the floors. So, how how did this go? Um, what do you think you would have done different in your event? Um, you proud to win? Just, Just
3: with a focus on yes, sir. Uh, agriculture-related content. Yes, sir. Okay, so you have to have some knowledge of that. Yes, sir. And you're obviously gaining that and have a background in that. Okay, I, I didn't know such exists, but yes, I'm, I'm pleased to know that it makes sense. Everything's highly specialized today for sure. So. Um, uh, you're traveling a lot right now yes sir yeah and what's your next stop
10: so I uh, came from Louisiana. I was in Lake Charles all last week. Okay, and then I yeah. get to go to Florida from here. So nice little tour of the southeastern cool. United States. I'm you really told me it's full time it. now. Yes, sir.
3: Yeah. Yes, so sir. for a year?
10: Yes, sir. So I started January 1st. And then I'll go to the National Finals Rodeo this December and cry the next Miss Rodeo America.
3: Very cool. Well, you're, you're both uh, delightful and you're outstanding representatives of thank your you. respective organizations. Thank you. We thank you for coming on. We wish you all the best in your professional career. Thank and, you. And I know you're going to have a lot of fun representing this. Yes, Okay. Sir. Thanks a lot. Yes, sir. Folks, Thank you, folks. We're stepping aside for a break. We're coming right back. It's Jamie Swafford, marketing manager, Ag Up Equipment. The Element Well Studio is located down at the Mississippi Trademark for the Mississippi Farm Bureau and Ag Up Sale of Champions.
0: Come on, come on. Midday's with Gerard Gibbert. We are back on Super Talk Mississippi.
3: back everyone it's middays. we're live at the mississippi trademark for the mississippi farm bureau and ag up a sale of champions wanted to pass on that rhino right, it appears that the arguments uh, before the supreme court on the case to dismiss trump from uh, the ballot in colorado the arguments are over is that correct is that what you're saying
2: yeah it seems like they're done
3: okay well just based on the comments You got any feeling which way this thing's going to go? I I really don't at this point.
2: Uh, If I had to guess, I would say they're going to rule against the Colorado Supreme Court's decision and allow former President Trump to be on the ballot.
3: Okay. That's kind of what was expected, I think, by most legal analysts and scholars. We are welcome to the program. Welcome back. Jamie Swafford, marketing manager, Ag Up Equipment. So much of the festivities this morning are over. This place is a little quieter now for for this. But what a fantastic uh, facility uh, this is. Mississippi is uh, truly blessed to have it. And the Equine Center next door. What a great venue to conduct the Dixie National Rodeo, the greatest show on dirt. So ag up, um, a lot of your customers, right, and prospective customers I, <laughs> always in attendance.
9: I do you see a lot of our customers' kids <laughs> here, and of course them here as well? Because. Yeah. Actually, they're in the sale right now at okay. Silla Champion. So I saw, I think maybe they finished with goats earlier. So, okay. yeah, I've seen a lot of our customers here and hopefully prospective customers <laughs> as well. So, I yeah.
3: well, tell us again, what are we selling this, uh, these days? I know last time I asked you that, you said we're selling tractors. Well, <laughs> of course. <laughs> well, there is a
9: lot of green equipment out front here. So. Saw it. It's all for sale. Uh, we would be happy to deliver any of it. But
3: Impressive, too. Some
9: of the things we've got specials on right now, Gerard. Or uh, we have $1,500 off. $1,500 off round balers. Uh, hay season's coming up. It's fast approaching. So we hope. Hope we'll. Uh, let people know that we've got some great deals going on and we have compact utility tractors everybody needs one i call ours the swiss army knife because personally i think it's the greatest thing i could have at my house i to have asked my husband for a single thing because it's easy to operate and i love using the loader and just being able to get things done myself without having to wait on anybody Sorry.
3: Yeah, I mean, so, so typically you think about uh, th- this big equipment being uh, kind of exclusively used on the farms mm-hmm. by the agricultural professionals, but uh, you've got lots of equipment uh, for Uh, just residential I think it's our owner
9: that says from big to small we cover it all uh, and we truly do I mean we have mowers we have a great selection of mowers right now at all of our locations and the compact utility tractor I was just talking about is 0% for 60 months and you can save $750 off or if you want to pay cash you can save even more money okay yeah Um, and and lots of implements to choose from because you don't come to see us and buy just a tractor you've got a You know, have something to do with that tractor. So we we have what you need. If if you have a small property, or even if you're large, and the staff can help you decide what size fits your needs. If you're kind of unsure,
3: how are we doing with respect to stocking position and availability?
9: We are in great shape there. Absolutely great shape. One
3: too long ago, that was a
5: problem, right? It
9: was not that long ago, but um, fortunately, we are we are not seeing that problem anymore. And even in implements, anything you need right now is is. We're in a good place. Okay. Awesome. So.
3: Uh, we talked earlier about uh, John Deere, of course, just being a leader in the industry. Uh, they've been making tractors for a long time, haven't they?
9: A very long time. <laughs> I
6: you, you see
9: panic on my face because like, it's over 100 years. It's yeah, over it's 100 long, years. It's a long time. Yeah. 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 They've been. They, we are actually America's only headquartered tractor company. Really? Yeah. Uh, so our headquarters, you know, we're in Moline, Illinois, for John Deere. And yeah. um, there's not another... Tractor uh, company anymore. I knew it was
3: Illinois word
9: here in the U.S.
3: Well, coming from an IT background, I remember when they acquired a data center in the Silicon Valley. Mm-hmm. Uh, not now so it's long Austin. ago, it's Austin now. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. they relocated. Yeah, but uh, as we as we spoke of in the in the last interview, they're really a, an incredibly sophisticated technology company that just happens to make farm implements and tractors.
9: Well, it requires a lot of technology now to make to make producers. Uh, profitable and and able to continue to produce our food and and fiber. So
3: So I remember, I want to say was it last year, Uh, I, I think a brand new tractor had been introduced that had some sort of AI or something built into it where it could detect um, uh, a good plant from a bad plant okay, if you so will
9: that's a sprayer okay the, the seed sprayer, spray sprayer yeah. yeah isn't that right really cool technology yes that is absolutely right yep you should check it out on john i mean
3: so that improves yields dramatically right it cuts it, it cost, cost, as well.
9: cost uh, and yeah. not using as much fertilizer into just the makes system sense. Yep. makes
3: sense rather than just kind of this blanket sort of approach yep. yeah well appreciate it yeah <laughs> absolutely so we'll we'll speak one more time absolutely. um in the next hour of the program. Right now, folks, it's time for Fox News and Super Talk News. It's high noon in Mississippi. In the next hour, we've also got the Commissioner of the Mississippi Department of Agriculture and Commerce, Commissioner Andy Gibson. Stay tuned for the news. We'll be right back. Welcome back everyone. It's middays. We're live from the Element Wealth Studio set up in the corridor here which uh, serves and is attached to the trade halls at the Mississippi Trade Mart. We're here because it's time for the Dixie National Rodeo. Today it's the Mississippi Farm Bureau and Ag Up Sale of uh, Champions. I'm taking a look at all these youngsters in the hall a minute ago that are showing their animals and in fact I can actually see the staging area from my vantage point uh, right here. And looking down the hall there, Rhino, there's a young man with a giant steer. <laughs> it's what it is. And they got it roped up and are leading it into uh, the show hall for uh, sale as part of the judging process. So really pretty cool. So we were just talking earlier today. The big news out of Washington, at least, is the Supreme Court hearing... The uh, case concerning Colorado's removal from uh, the ballot of former President Donald Trump. So, Rhino, your your view, and I, I I'm with you. I, I think that's my conclusion as well. Reading some of the questions and answers um, from the justices to the attorneys there arguing the case on behalf of the the plaintiff and the defendant. Uh, the plaintiff, of course. Donald Trump, the Trump Organization, and the defendant are four voters in Colorado that sought to remove the president, and um, as well as the Secretary of State. So, uh, yeah, I'm I'm with you. I think ultimately they're going to rule against the action taking taken by the state of Colorado, the Secretary of State out there, and I guess it's going to be Mr. Trump back on the ballot again I say what are you so dang worried about are you worried that he may actually take the state of Colorado Um, and I think the biggest thing is they felt like that they might set a precedent that they I guess you you know you had some some uh, discussions behind the scenes about taking this action by the Secretary of State now, am I right, Rhino, that it was the Supreme Court of Colorado that ultimately ruled to remove Mr. Trump from the ballot? I want to say there's some connection there with state Supreme Court.
2: Yeah, I don't think he was removed from the ballot with the initial hearings. It was appealed to the Colorado Supreme Court, and they ruled that he should be removed from the ballot. And that's how it made it to the United States Supreme Court, who were, in my opinion, more than likely to come back with a pretty sizable majority saying that he should be on the ballot.
3: Okay. So, I think what I'm, I'm thinking about here was the Secretary of State of Maine unilaterally, right, removed Mr. Trump from the ballot. The law's a little different in that state. I don't think there was any courts or Supreme Court of Maine involved in that. Uh, but but in Colorado, which is the case being heard by the Supreme Court. I believe, though, is where I was going with this, is that the feeling was, hey, if we can do this, well, then other states are going to follow suit. And some did attempt unsuccessfully. Uh, Maine, of course, did successfully, I guess. I, I, can't, I don't know. is that been reversed at this point? But honestly, w- what the Supreme Court rules here, is going to settle this whole deal, I believe, once and for all. So, any other states that might be considering about removing Mr. Trump, and if the Supreme Court upheld Colorado's actions, you got to believe that there are other states that would say, "Okay, well, I guess we can uh, follow the the same logic there." And and uh, we don't want him on the ballot either. I don't know because he might win, which is crazy, man. Oh, man. In the meantime, of course, yesterday. The um, the Senate blocked the Senate Republicans blocked this so-called bipartisan border deal and foreign aid package that was in a vote. It was expected to occur yesterday. It did, and it and it uh, ended up failing. This package that uh, doesn't look to me like it would actually achieve the goal of securing the border, and it's crazy that we have to insert what, $115 billion or so of foreign aid in the package uh, just to secure the border. We don't need anything of the sorts to secure the border. We have laws on the books right now. We just need a president who, with the stroke of a pen, could totally change the situation at the border. But he has no desire to do so, clearly, at this point. For Republicans, uh, I believe is the way it sorted out right now for Republicans voted with Democrats in favor of the legislation and I believe the same number of Democrats voted against it that was the final tally 49 to 50 49 in favor 50 opposed and of course you got to have 60 votes to break the filibuster and get it over the hump so at this point, it uh, does not look that we're going to get anything. By the way, the GOP yeses: Senator James Lankford of uh, of Oklahoma. He, of course, the sponsor of the legislation from the Republican perspective. And then the reliable Al- Alaska Senator Lisa Murkowski, Maine Senator Susan Collins, and Utah Senator Mitt Romney. I say reliable because they frequently joined Democrats in votes such as this. On the Democrat side, Senators Bob Menendez, Alex Padilla, Elizabeth Warren, and Ed Markey. Independent, they all voted no, by the way. They did not join the majority of Democrats in voting yes for the legislation. Independent Senator Bernie Sanders also voted no. And, of course, um, GOP leader Mitch McConnell just just noting that he voted no which is uh, consistent with the majority of Republicans now immediately you may have seen that President Joe Biden goes in front of the people and says the borders not secure because of Donald Trump (laughs) he immediately attributed the failure of this legislation to the former president and of course they thrive on politicizing uh, everything. And, and yes, it is absolutely true that the former president indicated that uh, he opposed the legislation and he implored congressional Republicans to vote in, um, against it. Speaker of the House Mike Johnson says even if it should pass the Republican Senate, it's DOA over here because it doesn't shut the border down. This is what doesn't make any sense when Joe Biden says, and I'm quoting, the only reason the border is not secure is Donald Trump. Well, you know, I like to dig into the math on these things, so follow me here, folks. In 2020, border encounters. 2020, the last year of President Trump's term. 400,000 encounters. 400,000. The very next year, 2021, right after... Uh, of course, the Joe Biden takes office, 2021, and, and we've, we've shared with you so many times before, one of the first actions he takes once uh, he's seated in the Oval Office Inauguration Day as he signs a series of executive orders, many of those reversing the Trump-era immigration policies, which were so effective, allowing only 400,000 encounters. That's still too many, but in 2021, under Joe Biden, 1.7 million. Let's keep going. 2022, 2.3. 2023, 2.4. Last month, the month of December, I should say, 10 million. So, Mr. President, your statement there really, it, it's not grounded in either fact or logic, right? It's not logical. You can't, you can't assert, well, the, the only reason the border is not secure is because of Donald Trump. When there were 400,000 encounters in his final year, And under your first year, that number number more than quadrupled. And then it increased by a factor of six in the next year and nearly a factor, a multiple of seven in 2023. So the numbers don't add up. And yes, math is important when we're talking about border crossings. The reason the border is not secure is because you don't want it secure. Let's just be honest. That's the reason. So the good news is this thing failed. And, and the reason I didn't support this legislation, just from a personal perspective, is because I didn't want to see that 370-page ridiculous convoluted legalese bill codifying the, the um, allowance of border crossings, which is what it would have done with these 4,000, 5,000, 8,500 number thresholds. I didn't want to see that codified and this codifying of of the process that would change the, the legal immigration process and issuing more green cards that we talked about and all that sort of stuff. I didn't want to see that codified. Unfortunately though, here's the reality. The status quo is going to continue. We're going to continue to see this surge at the border. I don't see anything stopping it. And it's because they don't want to stop it. That's just a fact. We're stepping aside for a break, and when we return, we've got Commissioner of Mississippi Department of Agriculture and Commerce, Andy Gibson. Stay with us.
0: Covering the stories that matter most to Mississippians. Gerard Gibbert. Middays with Gerard. Super Talk Mississippi. (tries) Follow <tries>
3: Welcome back everyone. It's middays. We're live at the Mississippi Trade Mart for the Mississippi Farm Bureau and Ag Up a Sale of Champions. We welcome to the Element Wealth Studio set up here in the corridor serving the big trade halls at the Mississippi Trademark. It's the commissioner of the Mississippi Department of Agriculture and Commerce Commissioner Andy Gibson. Always good to see you, sir. Great to see you
1: again, Gerard. Thank you for having me. It's yep. great to be back.
3: Yes, sir. So a uh, big day with uh, these young folks and the sale of champions. And I've got a, a view here from our vantage point yeah. I was just talking about on the air yeah. as, they're, as they're staging the animals that they're bringing into the uh, the hall there. I just saw a really big steer going <laughs> through there. <laughs> and so. those,
1: those steers are selling for, you know, nearly $20,000 more, some of them thirty. This is a great great program it is the best youth development and workforce development program in the state of Mississippi these livestock families they devote the whole year to raising these animals these children learn to work they're learning skills that's going to make them the future leaders that they already are and so this is all about supporting our young people today yeah and and it's a
3: good point there commissioners is, the, is the work ethic mm-hmm. that is taught and how right. dang important that is in that's today's tough. society we need it especially in a state where as you know we're all concerned about it such a low labor participation rate these people even before they're earning uh, an income for their livelihoods to support their families, they're already learning how to get up and work and then then work after school.
1: Yeah, and we've got a proven track record. This is the 55th year of the Sale of Champions. You look back, we have the the current chairwoman of the Sale of Champions Committee that raises these private funds. She's an executive at Regions Bank. You have Hmm. all these other leaders who this program has built up who are right here based in Mississippi. And so when you look at these young people who walk across whether it's a steer that they've shown, or a lamb, or a hog, or a goat, you're looking at the future leadership of the state of Mississippi. And it, this is a program we want to keep growing. We've set back to back records three years in a row. We hope to break that record again today. And uh, I want to thank you for coming out here, bringing Super Talk out yes, here sir. to promote this.
3: Our pleasure. It's an yeah. important part of our state, no doubt. And, and to your point, uh, I had the pleasure uh, earlier on the program of interviewing uh, Leighton Varner, scholarship recipient. Mm -hmm. Her father, of course, serves in the Mississippi House of Representatives, Lance Varner. But what a delight uh, it was to interview her. And she expressed an interest, of course, in a career in agriculture and perhaps political office. Yeah, I could
1: see that. I know Leighton. I know (laughs) that's, that's a great family. But look. I'll, you look at the sale of champions committee, and you're looking at the leading industries of in Mississippi, and it's not just agriculture. Although we're front and center, and we are the number one industry, but you've got. Financial services industries like Southern Ag Credit, that's our chief sponsor here at the Dixie National. Truck uh, like Mid-South Ford dealers. You've got equipment like Ag Up, and you've got, of course, the Mississippi Farm Bureau and the insurance uh, 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 sector that's all built around the backbone of Mississippi industry, which is and always has been agriculture. We're, we're proud to promote it, and I want to personally thank... All of our private sector partners out there, and also legislators. They formed their own buying group. Just saw about five of them They went to they <laughs> they they Representative Price Wallace. and Neil Whaley. Who took <laughs> my place in, in the seat Senator <laughs> Neil Whaley and all the great senators and yep. representatives. Tyler that, McCaugh. That That's right. Yeah. It's a great... This is a fantastic program, and everybody's pulling the same direction. And we have the privilege to have these facilities to hold it in, and uh, we're going to keep this program growing. We're excited about it.
3: Yeah, it's, it's awesome. And, of course, uh, Dixie National, uh, one of
1: the most prominent uh, rodeos in the country. It is. And a report just came out the the, the National Finals Rodeo put out the top 60 rodeos in America there were fifty nine that were west of the mississippi only one east and the dixie national rodeo was the one east of the mississippi river and it is still the largest rodeo east of the mississippi river so we've become a destination nationally uh... for not only the livestock shows that come here but also the rodeo the cowboys cowgirls and we had cowboys competing from Australia last year. They'll yeah. be here, I'm sure, again. Uh, but we're—it's become an economic development uh, destination for the state, and we—we we, I just signed a three-year yeah. contract to extend it. We're going to keep it in Mississippi, and we're going to keep growing the rodeo as well.
3: Huge economic impact. I've yeah. always got to, to mention that because it is very important to the yeah. state. But uh, you had
1: some figures for us last time. Uh, yeah, I've okay. uh, Just during the rodeo. You're looking at a $20 million economic impact. Just the rodeo, the, the 10 performances over a week that we have here. You count the livestock shows, and you count the, the quarter horse show and all the other equine activities. It's a, it's a month-long, maybe six-week program cutting horse shows you're probably looking at 40 45 million dollar economic impact money that's brought to mississippi spent here and then of course goes back into our uh, economy and and keeping mississippi growing so it's uh, agriculture agriculture is economic development and i think when we catch that vision we can take it to the next level
3: yeah uh no doubt about it we're and we're blessed uh here in mississippi uh first and foremost with
1: just unbelievable land the good lord blessed us with and and that's what makes it it work and and we are uh, thankful for it and we have our farmers who've been out there working in the midst of a a nationwide drought last year that was awful and yet and still they produced the second highest value of crop production in the history of this state persevering and we're You know, without water, you can't do anything. So we're blessed as a state of Mississippi to have abundant water resources that some states don't have. California's drying up, burning up. Our farmers uh, continue to persevere, and we're going to keep agriculture strong in this state.
3: Absolutely. So just saw uh, Representative Bubba Carpenter walking by as well. So uh, you're right to point out that a number of our legislators, uh, enjoy the event, especially like to come down to the sale yeah. of champions and, and yeah. interact with the families that
1: are participating. They've been doing that now three or four years. I can't keep track of it, but uh, it's grown. They they collect all these are private dollars, so that people are actually putting into this program, collecting funds. And then last year we raised four hundred fifty-six thousand some odd dollars. We hope to we hope to exceed that this this day, and we'll look forward to seeing the final numbers. But yeah. in the meanwhile everybody out here that walks across the stage uh... that walks through this uh, arena that, that shows their animal and those who won the scholarships they are our future leaders and their career path is, is wide open and i want them to know and i want everybody out there to know I, i'm bullish on the future of mississippi i'm bullish on mississippi's bright future ahead and they've got a bright career right here in the in the magnolia state
3: Yeah, no doubt and of course and there's representative hey, scott bounds as all, well so yeah.
1: Uh, all right, so tell us about the cane. So this is a cane, and uh, a lot of people see these and they may wonder what they are. Every animal that sold, uh, the purchaser, we just purchased the, uh, we just purchased our buying group did, mine okay. did the, uh, uh, the Mississippi raised steer, grand champion steer, and also the Mississippi raised uh, lamb uh, champion. So we we get a cane that kind of commemorates <laughs> this 2024 Dixie National Sale of Junior Champions, and uh, I've got a lot of these in my closet, but I've gotten to the point now I get to give them to to some of the to the young people and to also to some of our supporters who buy these uh, who contribute the funds to help buy these animals it's a it's a memory and a and a great symbol uh, of of a staff and uh, agriculture leadership yeah
3: and we should also point out Mississippi Farm Bureau the good folks there and ag up that uh play a critical role in the sale of champions in the dixie national we don't
1: we don't have any better partner than mississippi farm bureau federation president mike mccormick and uh, we've had the privilege to work on so many great things over the years and i want to thank them for that of course our presenting sponsor southern ag credit uh, that has helped us take the dixie national and almost double its revenues uh in in terms of uh, the rodeo tickets itself so without private sector partners we could not succeed that's what government can't run anything well but you get the private sector involved it's going to be a success and uh, I'm really excited to continue that partnership and, and keep on keeping on making it grow. Into That's the, the way it should
3: be. That's absolutely. Should be. You get government out of the way, and it'll work. Yeah, absolutely. So what, what
1: do we look like in, in terms of uh, entrance in the rodeo this year? How are we looking? We're looking really good. We've got a record number of entrants, and these these folks uh, will show up at all hours of the night. They're rolling in here. They're, they're on the rodeo circuit, so they may be driving in from Texas or Oklahoma or Wyoming uh, or from Georgia, other parts of the country. They'll roll in here in the middle of the night. They'll, uh, they'll sleep in their, in their trailer, uh, in their quarters, and they'll get up and compete, and then they'll be on their way. But it's a constant, constant uh, entry uh, uh, and turnover in those contestants, and it has to be a 10-day event because we don't have enough time to do it all in a couple of days. It's so many contestants, uh, cowboys, cowgirls from all over America, and the best of the best right here at the Dixie National. And if you hadn't got your tickets, I would encourage everybody to get them. Because uh, they're going fast. The rodeo tickets are available. First show's Friday night, 7 o'clock, and it'll uh, go on into Saturday with the parade. Our wagon train's rolling in Friday, tomorrow. And uh, we're going to have a great Dixie National. And I want to thank everybody for supporting it. Thank you all for covering it. Yes, sir.
3: It's not only just uh, a big feature of the state of Mississippi. It's uniquely American as well. And patriotic. We stand up for the American flag. Yes, sir. Thank you. Commissioner Andy Gibson has been our guest here on the middays. Folks, were stepping aside for a break. And uh, we've got Jamie Swafford, marketing manager of Ag Up to wind up the program today. We thank you so much for joining us. We're coming right back. back everyone. It's midday's. We're in the Element Well studio down at the Mississippi Trademark for the Mississippi Farm Bureau and Ag up a sale of champions. So we were just passing on some information earlier to you uh, about the Supreme Court case concerning former President Donald Trump being removed from the ballot in Colorado and I think Rhino and I are both of the opinion based on Reports we've seen that the Supreme Court is likely to reverse the opinion, or I should say, the uh, the decision in Colorado to remove the former president from the ballot. Hmm. So hopefully, this will put this thing to bed. And this is what we said right after Colorado announced their action that this thing's going to end up the Supreme Court. They need to go ahead and. Put the nail in that coffin and let's get on with uh, the election. By the way, it is tonight that Nevada holds its caucus now. They had the primary earlier in the week. Donald Trump was not on the ballot. It's irrelevant, honestly, because the, uh, the primary itself does not bind delegates. And so to achieve the nomination, what a candidate needs is to secure delegates. From the states, that's the way the system works. Uh, the parties control that, and and uh, each party has a, a somewhat different structure to the way delegates are allocated and assigned and and attached to candidates. But tonight is the caucus, and uh, in Nevada, that's how delegates are actually assigned. And some other news uh, on the the presidential election front. I know this is going to break your heart there, Rhino, but self-help author and spiritual guru, Marianne Williamson, yesterday announced the end of her long-shot democratic challenge to President uh, Joe Biden. So, she's off. Is there anybody left? Cornell West is an independent, right? I guess we got Dean Phillips, member of the U.S. House. And then, of course, also is an independent is rfk jr but Marianne williamson i think you've I, also I got
2: the sink guy from the oh what's the name of that stupid show he's the host of the young turks i don't know oh I yeah i think he's running as
3: a democrat are you kidding me i didn't know that he's a loom for the most part i didn't know that okay I appreciate you clarifying that.
2: I, I don't I wasn't think he's even technically eligible to run, but he still has a campaign going. <laughs> okay. Because I don't think he was born in America.
3: Ah, yeah, that's a requirement. So I didn't know that. Not born in America. Interesting. Um, but it, I guess that kind of uh, um, kinda, kinda adds up, honestly. Just watching some of those Young Turk videos that he produces really are incredible.
2: I mean, he's basically running for the same reason Cornel West is running—it's attention.
3: Yeah, uh, but why does a Mary Williamson? Why does she put herself through that aggravation yet again? What's what's up
2: with that? You think? No telling her. <laughs> I mean, she maybe she got a taste for it in 2020 and just wanted to see if. It was just a bad year for her. I don't know. Yeah, I guess so.
3: Well, she's gone. Dan in Hattiesburg on the C-Spire uh, text line says, "I hope that the Supreme Court will claim that there never was an insurrection. It's really not their their duty, uh, Dan. That's I mean that's a subjective acclamation, and it's not the duty of the Supreme Court to to rule on whether or not an event. I mean, what they rule on are cases." Uh, their, their opinions are, are issued and uh, rulings, decisions based on cases that are heard at the Supreme Court. So that's not going to happen. Uh, this this idea of whether or not January 6th was truly an insurrection, that's going to survive. That's going to continue because it's extremely subjective. And even in the Colorado and, and uh, Maine, which invoked that Section 3 of the 14th Amendment, which disallows a candidate from seeking office if they, quote, engaged in insurrection. And that's one of the legal technically, challenges. Technically,
2: it disallows them from holding office. It doesn't holding technically office, allow that's them, true. It doesn't disallow them from seeking office.
3: That's true. My bad. A good clarification. Of course, you got to seek office, I guess, to hold office. Is there another way you could be elected without seeking? And I guess that depends on what you, how you define seek.
2: Well, it depends on what um, the office is. I mean, if it's an office that could be appointed by, say, a governor or something.
3: That's true. Uh, that's true. So in which case you're not actually running for office there um, and, and wouldn't appear on a ballot. And that's what this is all about. You're right. That's that's one way to put it. But elected office, I guess, more more specifically is what we're talking about. Um, but I, I don't. I don't. Uh, that's going to continue. I mean, that's uh, engaged in insurrection is specifically what, actually, explicitly is the better term to describe it. What the Constitution states. So engaged is is different than the standard of convicted of insurrection. So engaged is subjective, and uh, you know, you you could call what happened on January 6th and, and again more explicitly Donald Trump's behavior and actions on January 6th you could still if, if you think that's the case assert that he engaged what you can say is that, that he was convicted because he hasn't been that's completely false he's never even never even gone to court or been tried as a defendant in a case that uh, where where a plaintiff would have have uh, filed a lawsuit um, under the, the theory that he was uh, charging or be charged with insurrection. So that's different. He's never been charged with insurrection that I'm aware of, right? I don't think there's any, been any formal lawsuit filed to that effect, right? I know that had a, the president um, committed insurrection. I don't think I've seen that. Um, the lawsuit January 6th deals with Interfering with an election in general, I think there are four uh, specific complaints, but that he interfered in an election. That's different than insurrection. The Constitution, on the other hand, says that one um, cannot uh, hold office, um, actually be elected office, is what you said, right, Rhino, unless they have engaged, if they have engaged in insurrection or rebellion against the same, which would be. Um, the country in which they would um, serve in office. So, the problem with the Constitution is that word engage is the way I see it. This would have been easy if you replaced the word engage with conviction. Convicted really would be the, the proper form. Uh, but and because this wouldn't have ever happened because the president hasn't been convicted of insurrection but the fact that it says engaged kind of opens the door for this subjective uh, application of the concept of insurrection and in this case Colorado says yeah we think he engaged in insurrection and and therefore the Constitution allows us in this provision to remove him from the ballot but that's again an opinion he engaged that's that's Different than, no, he was actually tried and convicted in a court of insurrection. Completely different, Stan. Just just pointing that out. Um, But we'll see where all that goes, no doubt about it. Here at home in the state of Mississippi, something that we wanted to pass on to you is that the Mississippi House voted to allow liquor sales in small towns. Passed a bill that would no longer prohibit I think with a population under 5,000 from selling liquor and wine. So, this is kind of a prohibition time frame carryover that's still enforced in uh, some municipalities and in, in uh, uh, some dry counties. It passed uh, this past Tuesday, 9321. So, what it essentially does is it automatically legalizes the sale. I believe, or the manufacturer of wine and liquor in all municipalities in the state that have 5,000 or fewer residents. This was sponsored by House State Affairs Chairman Hank Zuber from Ocean Springs. I think, if I'm not mistaken, this would require the residents of that state. Is this right, Rhino, to, I guess, overturn that at the ballot or something? We're stepping aside for a break on a Middays. Coming right back with Jamie Swafford, Marketing Manager, Ag Up Equipment.
0: Gerard. Good for America. Good for fans of justice and truth. Good for us. Super Talk Mississippi. This is what we stand for.
3: Welcome back, everyone. Final segment, Middays. We're down at the Mississippi Trademark, the beautiful Mississippi Trademark. We're out here in the hall that adjoins the, uh, the corridor actually that adjoins and serves the big uh, trade halls the element well studio temporarily relocated to this position it's for the Mississippi farm Bureau in the AG up a sale of champions just a quick follow-up on this legislation this bill to pass the house that we were talking about in the last segment which would make municipalities with more than five5,000 uh, uh, pardon me with Fewer, pardon me, fewer than 5,000 residents yeah. wet automatically. This, this bill makes them wet. If it becomes law, the uh, a local election, a referendum, could be held to make the city dry again. That requires 1,500 residents or 20% of the citizens, whichever is less, to sign a petition which would place Uh, such a measure on a ballot locally and then the citizens of the town would vote to take the city back to being dry. but this state law would automatically make all cities with less than 5,000 residents wet. They want to reverse that they gotta go to the uh, the ballot box with a referendum to do that but we welcome back to the program uh, Jamie Swafford marketing manager of Ag Up Equipment so uh, the place kind of cleared up a little bit. Uh, I still see some of the animals uh, uh, being uh, led yeah. into the sale of champions down there. I but uh, I just stepped outside for a minute, by the way. And there's lots of green equipment out there. Is that yours?
9: That is, that is ours.
3: Okay, just it. <laughs> <checking. is> <laughs> big yeah, old tractors.
9: We have a lot of equipment out there. We have something for everybody out there. We have mowers you can come and look at. We have compact utility tractors. And, of course, everybody always wants to see the big, uh, bigger tractors. So we have an 8R um, track tractor out there.
3: Amazing. Amazing equipment. Amazing stuff. You told us earlier you've got plenty of stock, plenty of inventory. you got uh, 12 locations in the state. Right?
9: 12 locations in the state of Mississippi and four in Arkansas
3: and so. and something else that uh, we we need to pass on as well is that uh, you've got a great uh, service team as well
9: so. we do that's that's what sets us apart Gerard. is is it's not just the sale it's service after the sale and with 16 locations we can we can help you with parts with service if there's availability at one store and not another we can get it to you very quickly and that's
3: important also got some special financing available right now as well we sure
9: do if you are in need of a compact utility tractor a John Deere 3 series tractor we have zero percent for 60 months with seven an additional seven hundred fifty dollars off which you could you could you know buy you an implement that you need as well
3: so if uh, if a farmer um, Jamie has let's say an old tractor and they're they're thinking about upgrading Um, depending on the age of the existing equipment tremendous benefits are possible uh, or achievable right if you upgrade to the more uh, current it's really current technology is what it is
8: there
9: is there's a lot of technology out there that's new and and helps our farmers um, make decisions with the data that the technology collects Uh, and just the machines themselves are are pretty incredible uh, technology wise you know we have with lots of different technology you mentioned at the end of the last break the CN spray sprayer, which really cool only sprays uh weeds basically, yeah, to make it simple. Uh, which helps with cost of fer- fertilizer, it helps with uh, conservation, like so you're not just spraying an entire field and not putting all that back into the water system, type of thing. Yeah, so yeah, there's a lot of technology out there um, that can help farmers, and yes, we do take. Trades, uh, but our our equipment tends to hold its value as well, which is pretty awesome when you invest in a piece of green equipment.
3: Yeah, and of course uh, the other thing to keep in mind, I guess, is that if if um, someone is contemplating a purchase and uh, they're they're obviously concerned about uh, the the cost, that uh, by making that investment. Over the longer term, their their cost actually could likely go down just because they're using a the newer current technology that, of course, also is um, needs less service than something that's kind of aging.
9: I would challenge anyone who's in the market for a, a tractor, whether it's a compact or not, to come in and and price with us because a lot of times we're going to be able to beat the competition's yeah. price.
3: Well, that's and that's what you guys are known for. So you got you got a great lineup of uh, high quality equipment uh, backed by the the world's preeminent manufacturer of uh, farm uh, tractors and equipment you've got 12 locations a great service team as well you've yeah. been in business a long time and you got great financing right now
9: we do zero for, I mean zero percent that's pretty awesome
3: yeah so that ought to be the motivation yeah. to get out and make a purchase
9: now is, I mean is now is a great time before spring hits to come out and get a green tractor
3: I'm just fascinated by all that technology because when you you open up the cab of one of those things, it's not like what you typically would expect. It's more like looking at the glass panel inside a, a major commercial airliner
9: there is a lot of technology to look at for sure it's really cool yeah thanks for having
3: us thanks for your sponsorship as well jamie appreciate it enjoyed it yep folks uh we're out of time here today once again we've been at the mississippi trademark for the mississippi farm bureau and ag up a sale of uh, champions we're back again in the studio with you tomorrow i'm headed up to mississippi state university to speak to the college republicans tonight looking forward to that until then stay safe and god bless everyone